everyone here today. We're gonna continue our journey through the seven primal question book. So, so many people have bought it. So many people come up to me and go like, what was that thing again? Seven yeses book, what is it? So seven primal questions. If I thought beforehand, like I do every Sunday morning instead, I wish I had a QR code up there, you could just beep it. But I wanna encourage you to get this book. Um, if you don't know what it's about, you could go back into YouTube to our Rancho Temecula, to Rancho Church Temecula. Go back to December 31st. I kind of opened it up by explaining the book and, the, and what it's about. And we've been doing the Seven Yeses series. So um, that'd be a great place to start and kind of catch up all the messages on there. So the idea that, that Mike Foster talks about is that we all have these primal questions. And there's seven of them that he identified after like six years of research and just really narrowing it down. The seven that he identified that all humans ask, you know, in, in most, I mean, none of these questions you're gonna go, nope, never thought about that, is like, am I safe? Am I secure? Am I loved? Am I wanted? Am I successful? Am I good enough? And do I have purpose? So we all ask that. But based on our upbringing, based on our experiences, what he proposes is that we have an apex question. It could be conscious, it could be subconscious. It's an ape, one of these are apex question that we are trying to get a yes to. Maybe we didn't get a yes to it when we were younger. We have certain situations and circumstances that arose in our upbringing, but we are looking for a yes. And when we don't get a yes, we might scramble. That's where a lot of our bad habits and decisions might come from. We have things maybe we avoid or things we need to avoid when we understand who we are. And it's just kind of that journey. But the coolest part about it is when you understand what your question is, when you live into that truth, you actually begin to see that gift that you bring to the world, that you have something beautiful and special that you bring. And oftentimes it's, that, it's from that same right question, right? That same question, maybe you scramble, you still are bringing something to the table. So that's what we're gonna keep doing, right? We're gonna keep doing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Scott said that one of the most common, he did a question number one, which is, am I safe? One of the most common things that all organisms, all life force sources, everything like pursues is safety. It made me think of like those flowers that close up so you know no one will get into it and all this. I'm going, yeah, it does, you know? It was pretty cool to think about that. But I think that today, I think that today, um, I believe that we're gonna look at one of mankind's deepest emotional needs as we get to question three, which is, am I loved? Am I loved? Every human asks that question. Every human wrestles with that answer, right? It's just kind of very, very, it's common. It's something that we're all seeking after. The other day, I was, uh, um, at the high school and I was walking through the hallway and one of my favorite teachers, I look in and on Wednesdays and Thursdays, they have these hour and a half long classes, this block scheduling, right? I could tell they're playing some game. So I go in, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, it's like AP calculus and I'm gonna come in there and take over, you know? Um, so I go in there and he goes, oh, I'm just giving the kids a break and I'm asking them questions. So go to this side of the room if this is your answer, go to this side of the room if this is your answer. So the first question I hear is, would you rather kiss an Ewok or fight a Sith. And I'm like going, well, I don't really know what either of those things are, but I'm gonna go with kissing more than fighting anyway I look at it. So I went to kiss the Ewok side. There was people fighting the Sith side. And so then he said this, and he asked the question, would you rather have all the money that you can ever want, never have to worry about money, but you always struggle in relationships and with experiencing love, 
Or would you rather always be trying to figure out how to financially care, always behind, always a struggle, but you experience deep relationships and deep love? And every kid went to the relationship and love side, except for one. One, one kid was like, oh, I just want all the money, ah, you know? And so I'll buy people's love, you know, he had to figure it figured out. So, <laughs> but seriously, the whole class went to this other side, you know? And it, why? Because all people have a deep emotional need to experience and express love. It is probably one of our most, the deepest emotional need that we all have. And I think there's a clear reason why, right? It's because love comes from God and we are created in his image. The class I'm teaching over there is called Worldviews. It's kind of trying to ask the question, what, what's behind what we see? What, what's behind why humans so desire to experience love and to express love? And I think this is the clearest answer. We're creating the image of God and love comes from God. 1 John 4, 7 says that exact thing. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. I mean, actually in our loving, we are knowing God as we love one another, right? We're experiencing the very heart and the very nature of God. Because why? Because God is love. God is love. So even though we all desire that, there are some of us that that's their apex question. There are some of us that that's like what we're fighting to get, maybe because of how we perceive some of our upbringing, how we perceive some of our past, we didn't necessarily feel so loved. And so this is my apex question. This is the one that I wrestle with. And now I wanna tell you, if this is your apex question, it's not necessarily that you grew up in some high draw or trauma home. It doesn't, that doesn't, it's not necessarily what it means. Or there was some extreme neglect or something like that. Now, maybe you did. Maybe you grew up in a lot of trauma. Maybe you grew up in a lot of neglect. But for most people, like they still, this is their question. And it doesn't mean that's where they came from. As a matter of fact, question three people, like am I loved as your apex question? You could have grew, you didn't grow up in necessarily a non-loving home. But as all primal questions, the reality is, is how, those events of your childhood, how you perceive those and how you've received those is what has made the impact on you. So even though you might have loving parents, you still perceived, you still wrestled with this idea. Maybe you felt like this. I have a little list here. Looked upon with indifference. Maybe you were that middle child, right? Or you were just the one that, you know, they had to put too much emphasis on another one that was always, whatever it might be. You just felt like they looked upon you as indifferent. Maybe you felt devalued or belittled in some ways. Maybe that was something that you experienced or you at least perceived to be true in your home. Maybe love was a little bit more transactional or performance-based. You had a coach as a dad. That's what I had, you know. Lord have mercy on you, right? That just coached you. You never were good enough. You always had to get better. You just had this perception of performance, this perception of it being transactional. Maybe you felt loved, but not always liked. Or you were tolerated, but not enjoyed. If any of those resonate with you in your upbringing, you think back to your child and go, oh, that's me, maybe am I loved is your primal question. 
and it's still affecting you and it's still part of your life and part of your journey. Now, I wanna tell you that I didn't necessarily want to do this one, <laughs> you know? They did throwback, so let's put the old guy up there, you know, so I think that's how it worked because this one hits home for me and it's not because this is my primal question because you guys have heard it, mine is am I secure? But this is because this is my youngest son's primal question. And over the last uh, six months, we've kind of been talking about this. You see, I have two sons. I have an older son. My older son is like just kind of cruise along in many ways, a high achiever in school, mellow, mostly obedient, you know, just kind of even keeled. Things weren't really difficult for him. He finished, I think, third or fourth at Temecula High School in his class, you know, and just did his stuff. Never had to... <laughs> I helped him with all of it, you know, right? So yeah, I couldn't, by, by the time he's in fifth grade, I couldn't help him anymore in school, you know? So just the way he was. But my younger son, they're 18 months apart. My younger son, Josh, was a bit more, can I say, passionate. He had a little bit more some relational struggles. He talked back a little bit more. Many conversations, son, don't talk back. I'm not, mm, that is, no, it's not. Mm, no, that is kind of what it is. We had many of those conversations throughout the years, right? That's kind of how we wrestled with things. He got into trouble more, had difficult relationships in school more that would cause him to maybe treat someone not well or different things. We had more battles for sure. And over the last six months, he's 24 years old now. Over the last six months, as this primal question book began to ruin my life, um, <laughs> He started sharing as he took the test and am I loved became his primal question. He kind of started talking about how he knew that we loved him and he knew he was from a loving home, but he didn't always feel as liked as his brother did. He felt more tolerated at times and not enjoyed by his personality and, and how he would push back and what he would do. He felt devalued and he felt belittled, and he felt that way by me. <laughs> um, he knows that he was a pain <laughs> at times. He'll fess up, you know. He knows that he was, it was a struggle by his actions and his attitudes, but he can look back clearly, and it's perceived by him as not being as loved as his older brother not being as liked. You see, in the Seven Primal Questions book, uh, Mike Foster defines love like this, that love is the experience of being valued, seen, and heard as a human being. It's being valued, seen, and heard as a human being. And my son, Josh, didn't always feel that way. There's other ways that if this is your primal question, you might ask the question, am I loved? You might ask it like, are you listening? <laughs> Do you see me? Do you know me? And Josh being the younger brother of a guy like Zach, whom everything just came easy, we didn't have to really push on any way or no, no real argument here. I think he felt in a lot of ways, not heard, not seen, and not valued, not known. Matter of fact, when he was a sophomore in college, 
Even in high school, what's interesting is how deep this could be, is even in, high, uh, in college, when he's a sophomore in college, he goes, hey, dad, we used to, during high school, we started going out and having, we'd go once a month and go to like Havana Kitchen or something and just to go talk. It was hang out and talk. And it took a while, but we would spend two or three hours there and just chit chat. I never did that with my older son, Zach. This was always with Josh, my younger son. And we had spend time doing that. So one time, I think it was a freshman or sophomore in college, he goes, hey, dad, could we go have one of our uh, meetings and go hang out and talk? I'd love to talk to you about some stuff. And I go, yeah, I'll tell oh, he's reaching out to me now, you know? So we went and got together. And why he wanted to meet is because he felt like I don't care about what he's pursuing. I don't listen to him. And I don't even know what it is that he wants because I'm not there. And it was pretty tough. But I never knew until like over the last six months, like how deep this always is. This, this idea of having that primal question. I remember with my son, Zach, Josh, that there was times we'd have this thing, he would go to his room and I'd look at my wife and I'd go, man, I really love Josh, but I don't like him all the time. Now I never said that to him. But this whole primal question is calling me out on that. He felt it. He knew that's how I thought even though I didn't express that to him necessarily. Still to this day, he might struggle at times with friends if they're indifferent. If they're indifferent to him and they don't value him and they don't listen to him, he'll keep, he, he's at times, he doesn't struggles. And actually what's pretty cool is as he's gone through this and wrestling through this, some friends are coming back into his life that he kind of had to push away because he was feeling devalued, not listened to. That's a, a scramble of his. That's something he needs to avoid, right? He needs to watch out because he, if he doesn't feel it, he can just go, Psh! you know? And I go like, wow, like, I, I, like how did you just, like, you just, you just, the guys aren't hanging out anymore? Yeah, no. And that's part of that reality. If you don't value his thoughts or his opinions, and he is a deep thinking, very intellectual young man. If you don't value him, he struggles with that. And if you find that this to be your apex question, you might struggle with some of these as well. There's other things you might struggle with. If you don't get a yes to your answer, some things you might scramble with. You might withhold your heart from others to avoid being hurt. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I leave relationships quick. I don't wanna be hurt. I'm gonna avoid that. That might be something that you struggle with. Or you might wanna keep people at a distance. You don't wanna be manipulated. So that's some of the things you scramble with, some of the things you wrestle with, keep people at a distance. Same time, you might struggle with codependent love. You so long, right, for yourself to, you lose yourself in the need of others. Others' needs, you lose yourself. You just become someone that just gives, 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 gives to an unhealthy way to where you're codependent in a relationship because you so long for them to feel loved. So you'll do anything. Or you might actually begin to have relationships with people that might not be the healthiest to love you, love you, <laughs> right? And because you just so need that, that you struggle in relationships. Those are some of the ways you scramble. But I wanna tell you something. When you live into your truth, you are the ones with a gift that you bring to the world that impacts people around you unlike anyone else. Even when you're still scrambling to get a yes, you might, you bring that to the world. Because your primal gift is to help others feel valued, seen, and heard. Your primal gift is to give people that emotional need that they need, right? And you are amazing at it. 
You pay attention, you see, you understand, and you give, and you're there, and you support, and you accept. My son, when he was in high school, he became, he became a defender of the kids that felt like outcasts. If you felt like an outcast, Josh would defend you and he would go to bat for you. He just eyed those kids. I've actually ran into kids from his high school years that said, how's Josh doing? He's doing great. Man, I wanna tell you, your son defended me and made me feel wanted. Then he got all into the sustainability project at Temecula Valley High School. He was a vegan for a lot of years because he just felt the heart of like, how do we do this to animals, right? He got into sustainability things and he became a leader of building a greenhouse and the Temecula Valley High School campus. And I got people going like, man, when new, a new person comes into the sustainability program, Josh is the first one to connect with them and say, you're part of this. And that's a primal gift of someone that is asking the question, am I loved? Because he knows being seen and heard, being valued is what he wants. And so he gives that to other people. And still to this day, he is still like this. It's great. He worked at Armstrong Nursery over here for a few years, you know, and people would invite them over to their house to have dinner. People that are just coming to buy a plant. It's crazy. Because my son would be like, oh, hey, get to know them if they come in. He literally would go have, and now he works at an ice cream parlor up at Santa Cruz. <laughs> but he's one of the leads at this thing as, you know, as he's working through, just graduated from college, works at this place. He knows people's names. He knows what they like. They come in. They want to invite him out to things. Him and his girlfriend were walking and checking out this guy's house and dude just walked out. How are you doing? He starts talking to them. They invite him into this gorgeous house to just walk around and see it. My son makes people feel seen and heard at anything he does. He is, has such an incredible gift for that. And you probably do too, if this is your calling, if this is your question. You just bring something beautiful to the table. Because guess what? Those with the primal apex question, am I loved? They innately know something. <laughs> and here's what they know. There's not much that impacts someone's life as powerful as love does. Because being valued as you are is a core emotional need of everybody. And they know that. They naturally do that. Even if they're not getting yes to their question, they will still do that. And that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So as we've talked about so many times, it's not about fixing you, right? It's not about fixing your question. That's not what it's about. It is about coming to understand it. It's about coming to understand what some of those triggers, why I respond and things the way I respond. It might be like what we've had to do and kind of wrestle through this. I, I might've told you guys before, but when we are having our first conversation about this and Josh was sharing these things with us and I and my insecurity, man, red flags are going off. I'm getting defensive because that's my scramble. When my son is calling me out as this is how you made me feel, I know you love me, but I felt I felt this way. I, man, my primal question is, am I secure? Was just like going, uh, you know, I'm gonna defend myself. My wife's primal question, which is, am I good enough? Is like, I'm so sorry, right? So, oh, if I could have videoed this moment, just, this was three months ago, you know, in our house of just wrestling through this. It's real. But I want you to think about something here. 
I want you to think about something. If you were to describe in one word this, this overarching kind of bottom line picture that, you know, that you see throughout the message of Jesus. Like, what did Jesus come to put on display? Why did God become man and walk amongst this earth and through his life and through his teachings and through his death and through his resurrection? If you're gonna pick one word to describe what it was all about, bottom line, what would that word be? Of course, you're going to say that because I just set that up, right? You know, I'm not going to say anything about it, but wouldn't be? I mean, that would be it. That, that's kind of like the bottom line. That's what Jesus came to put on display. I mean, John 3, 16, most you know, popular verse in the world is God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That is what Jesus, I don't think there's a greater reason why Jesus came to this earth than to put on display that God is love. I think that is the number one. That is the number one reason that God is love. He loves us. He loves people. We are his image bearers. And that all that God is and all that God does is found under this umbrella of love. And I want you to like just realize that. He is the umbrella. Love is underneath everything else you think about God, you see God do, you understand about God. It is under that umbrella of love. And that's not just in the New Testament. That's Jesus teaching all throughout the Old Testament you see this key description of God as well some of the most powerful verses that you see Exodus chapter 34 when Moses wants God to pass before him I want to see you God I want you to pass before me what is it that he saw in Exodus 34, six. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. That's what God said to him. That's what God in Exodus wanted him to know. What about Lamentations 3.22? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. What doesn't cease? Oh, his anger ceases, it's for a short time. His steadfast love is what lasts forever and never ceases. What about Psalm 105? For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We could look at verse after verse after verse of the Old Testament that describes God in this way. Now, what he is steadfast in, what never ceases, is God's unfailing love. But man, knowing what God is love means like, like God being love, truly knowing and understanding can get pretty hard when it's coming through authoritarian and dogmatic religion, right? It can get pretty hard. It can get pretty muddied in the rules and the regulations and the requirements and the jump through hoops and the transactions and the performance-based stuff. It can get pretty hard to see this. Last week, Scott talked about how religion loves to peddle fear. 
loves to peddle fear, keeps us in control, keeps us coming, keeps us giving, keeps us doing the right thing. It loves to peddle fear. And early on in my Christian life, I found myself focusing on that exact thing, peddling fear. Saying things like this, you are not worthy to be loved. You are a depraved sinner that deserves nothing from God but his wrath and his punishment. You are actually not even lovable. But God loves you anyways because he's love. He has to like force himself. Love Steve, you know. I have to. That was the message. That's what I peddled. But I'm telling you now, what a privilege we have being followers of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, what a privilege you have because he expounds on the reality that God is love in ways that blew open the door and knocked down the walls of these religious walls that were keeping people from God. He came to tear those walls down, right? Who he went after was the people that were closing the kingdom of God in others' faces and making them continue to jump through hoops. Who he loved were the people that felt far. That's who he was close to, you know? That's who he went right to. That's who he spent time with. He came to change how we saw God. He came to open up the door. And there's so many different things that we could talk about. All through the New Testament, being God being love. So many things. But I just wanna narrow on one. One that <laughs> doesn't, hasn't resonated with me all that much until like now. I'm just telling you. It's one of those I'll hear people say and I'll go like, eh, okay, yeah, okay, cool. But with everything that I've been walking through with the am I love with my son and all this kind of thing and coming to this morning and studying this week and thinking about this, this is what stood out to me, this one area of focus. So this is what we're gonna look at. John chapter 15, verse 12 through 13 and, and verse 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And I called you friends. I mean, I can imagine them hearing Jesus say this. Could you? Like, Jesus says this, what's going on in their heads? Yeah, I'm a pretty, I'm a lay my life down kind of friend. I use my truck to like help people move. You know, I mowed my friend's lawn when he was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of laying it down. I get that, you know, or I have friends. Oh man, that's a friend that lays their light down for me. Yeah, Jesus, we know what you're talking about, right? Having no idea when they hear this from Jesus, having no idea what is actually going to happen sooner than they think that Jesus was actually the one that was going to lay down his life, putting on display the very heart of God that is not based in fear, but love for his friends, for his friends. And that's them, and that's you, and that's me. This is not some small revelation. This is a huge revelation. In that moment, at that time, where God's in that temple, 
And the understanding is if you go into that Holy of Holies and you're not worthy, he strikes you dead. I mean, God was not friend. God was just the thing to deity to fear. You better keep yourself in line. And Jesus comes onto the scene and he says something like this, wanting us to see God, that he's not out there, some distant God, looking down on us, frowning, being forced to love us, even though you're unlovable, depraved, and not worthy. And Jesus comes to say, ah, oh, greater love has no you don't see it any deeper than when you lay your life down. And I'm calling you friends. You just wait to see what's gonna happen. <sighs> this was a new understanding of how God looks towards us and how God loves us. It was, it was whew, all these verses of God's unfailing, steadfast love. Yeah, but as a friend, Man, I'm sure we've been under, we've been raised hearing God loves you. How many of you have been raised hearing God loves you? Anyone? God loves you. Ever had a tagline, but you're not worthy of it? That's the tagline you got? God loves you, but you don't deserve it. Don't ever forget, right? You don't deserve it. That was my tagline, you know? Oh, it's even greater. God's love even greater because I'm so wicked. And man, Ooh, it could cause a lot of struggles. Am I really loved for me? I mean, my son, he wanted to be loved for him. Not performance, non-transaction, but for him. And for some of you, maybe you need to hear something different today, especially if your apex question is, am I loved? Maybe you need to hear something different. And even as I wrote these things down, it was still in my heart like, ooh, this feels different even for me. And here it is. God likes you. God values, values you, sees you, and hears you. God calls you friend. God doesn't want you to feel devalued or belittled. His love is not transactional or performance-based. God likes you. He doesn't just tolerate you. He enjoys you being in his presence. Like the Bible says, where can you go from his presence? Nowhere, there's nowhere you can leave. He actually is everywhere, however that works, right? Oh, I love 1 John 4 that says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not, that, it's not how much I love him. That's the challenge, you love God, are you sincere? Do you really love him? Do you truly love him? Rah. That's his, what love is, is he loves us. He showed it by calling us friends and laying his life down as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And, and there's no doubt, right, that sin plays a huge role on us feeling distant from God. My son's like sin played a huge role of him feeling distant from me and me feeling distant from him. Yeah, it does. I get it. Sin messes with our minds, doesn't it? 
And it could cause us at times to believe things that just aren't true. It could create lies in our heads that we believe that God's not there. He doesn't love you. He's mad at you, disappointed, devalued. You're not worthy. Creates lies in our heads that we're not lovable and that we're not loved. Sin, ours or others against us, is what causes us to answer the question, am I loved, with a no, I'm not loved. That, that flows out of whether it be my sins that makes me feel that way with others or others towards me that makes me feel that way. It is sin that causes us to answer no. But Jesus came to change our minds. He came to help us see God differently. That's what repentance is. Oh, we love the law of repentance, right? You need to repent. Jesus said, repent for the, believe the good news that the kingdom of God is here. I think what Jesus was calling us to repent from was from this works-based, follow the rules, you better perform, this is a transaction, kind of religious, authoritarian dogma, and just believe that I'm here and that you're loved. That's repenting. That's changing from doing all this to now just believing and trusting. That's what Jesus, I believe, was calling us to. Instead of through the eyes of fear-focused religion, he came to cast out that fear. As Scott talked about last year, last week, perfect love cast out fear. He came to cast out that fear. He called us friends and he laid down his life unto death, rose again to prove that what he declared to be true is actually true. And I love one of the first things he says after he raises from the dead, and he enters into the space with his friends, and what does he say? Peace be with you. You remember all that I talked about? Bam! It's true. I call you friends. I laid my life down. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Never, ever doubt that again. Because you see, nobody can answer the question of am I loved like God can? Because this is how he answers it. You are loved because I love you. You are loved, you are loved because I love you. Jesus, he came to this earth to put that on display. He called his followers friends, what? And he laid his life down, rose from the dead. And I tell you, man, I know there is the desire out there to make this love so transactional still, right? You have to repent, you have to be serious, you have to change how you live, you have to believe these lists of do's and don'ts, right? Well, I believe Jesus was very controversial in his time. It got him killed because he was going against that religious system and was saying that God loves you and calls you friend and all are welcome. And that's what made them unhappy. It's taken away their authority. It's taken away their dogma. It's taken away their power. And he opened the door for everyone when he said this in Matthew chapter 11. This isn't Matthew 8, it's Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
And what caused the burden of that time? Religion, right? Religion, politics, the whole deal. The whole deal was just tiring. Do this, do that, kill this, kill that, cut this off, right? Just, just keep going. The burden was tiring. Come to me who are weary and burden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, God's very yoke is easy. God's burden is light. Come and enjoy, come receive. You are my friends. You have value. I hear you, I see you, I know you. Come believe, trust, trust you're loved, trust you're seen, trust you're valued. Trust that God calls you friend. And Jesus came to put that on display. Because what your friend wants you to understand, your friend Jesus, that's the term I've always struggled with. Your friend Jesus, right? Wants you to understand is that God's heart towards us is as a loving, caring father. That's another thing that Jesus brought out. God's heart for us is as a loving, caring father. The worship team's gonna sing this last song as they're gonna come out. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a song that I asked Alex. And because those that spent time with Jesus, they began to get this. One of them was John, his like, one of his closest comrades. And John said it most clearly in 1 John chapter three. He said this, after spending this three years in Jesus, after understanding, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. Your friend says God is a heavenly father. He loves you like a father. Any fathers out there? Any mothers out there? You know what that means, huh? You know what kind of love that is. So I asked Alex if we can close with this certain song, right? It's a throwback song um, because it has a line. Actually, the whole stinking song, dude, or at last service was just impacting me. And I hope that as we sing this last song, as we, you know, we go back and we look at this song, it, it's called Good, Good Father. And what year was it made? Do you know, written? Early 2000s. Early 2000s. Isn't it crazy? How many of you, when you hear early 2000s, is throwback and go, oh man, I'm old? Yeah, right, totally, totally. It says this, for you are a good, good father. That's who you are. Man, as we sing this song, as, it, as we sing it over and over again, I hope that, you know, Dallas Willard said something, that what you think about God is the most important thing about you. I, I hope this, when you think about God, you think about Jesus calling you friend and that fa- and God is a good, good father that loves you deeply that answers the question, yes, you're loved every time. And then it says this, you're a good, good father. That's who you are, and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. I hope that these words might speak loudly into your heart and mind today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. And especially if your apex question is, am I loved? That maybe today, you can just start saying, I am loved because Jesus called me friend and he pointed me to a God that is a heavenly father that is always there. His love is steadfast and never ending and I can always trust that. And that that might become the foundation of your yes. 
and begin to help eliminating scrambles and avoidances and to begin to live into your truth and empower you to bring that love to others in even a deeper and richer, more beautiful way. Do you mind if I pray real quick before you guys do this? And thank you, Alex, for stepping up here and do this. We were so excited for this, uh, Alex and I doing this. So Father, thank you for Jesus. That, and Jesus, thank you that you painted this picture that you call us friends. And I don't know why that, that's so uncomfortable for me, but it's deep. Thank you that it just opened my eyes to like when you have this primal question that you, we are valued, that we are seen, that we are heard, that you care for us as we are. You, you don't just tolerate us. You, you love us being in your presence and, and you paint this picture that we have a heavenly father. It's a good, good God and we are loved and that's who we are. May these words, may this song so deeply resonate in our hearts and our minds and our souls that when we think of you, that this is what we think of first and foremost above everything else. And may that begin to transform, maybe for some of us, that primal question that is a no when we ask him, I loved, to a yes, starting now, starting today through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Along with us.
You call. 